So good, and so good to be back. Welcome again back to Chapel Community Worship. Those of you who are gone for Jan term, we missed you. Excited to hear more stories. Those of you who are here, it's nice to see you back also from break. I am so grateful that we get to come together like this twice a week, in the middle of our week, in the normal work, school, weekday, twice a week, we get to come together to worship God from all different backgrounds we come, all different directions, all different ethnicities, all different places in the world, different jobs and roles here at Whitworth, and yet we come together to worship God, bringing all of that as God's people. And what an amazing gift. This is seriously my, my, my favorite thing I get to do each week, every Tuesday and Thursday, to come together with you all and worship God together. It's such a joy. I'm glad we get to be here and so glad to be back. So we had, I hope you had a great Christmas, winter, all the things that have been happening. So for those of you who have been away, my family's had a fun, a fun Christmas and winter time as well. Uh, want the, the other one, Gary, would be great. We did have some great skiing adventures. It was one of the great things we've really enjoyed over Christmas um, and, and over the last few months. Ever since my daughter Esther was born, her oldest, we were looking forward to the time when we could go out skiing as a family. Always kind of waiting, waiting, and this is the year. This is the year when we finally turned the corner and now we can ski as a family together. It's been so fun and ex- exploring with all of us and it's not always hugs and smiles and we had bloody noses and lost skis and bickering between siblings, not that you've ever experienced that. <laughs> but, but we also have had a ton of fun together uh, doing that this, this winter. One of the things that we do when we ski is we find our favorite routes, right? Our favorite runs. And, we, and then what happens is with my children is often they'll just kind of, want to do that one again and again. So one of the defaults has been Quicksilver down through the train park, through the mouth, down to chair two, and repeat. And that's what we do. Quicksilver, what do we want to do this time? Oh, Quicksilver, to the train park, through the mouth, which is our own name, and to chair two. Well, we do that, and as we do that, it's, it's so much fun. We have a ton of fun. And sometimes I kind of have to nudge them saying, guys, don't you want to try something different? No, this is so great. Let's keep doing this. Maybe there might be some other runs on the mountain, you know. It's not just this one. <laughs> Maybe dozens of others. There might be some other great runs, even as good as Quicksilver through the train park, through the mouth, back to chair two. And eventually, maybe with a little bit of cajoling from dad, we get to try some other things, and they realize, whoa, there are some other great things out there. This is great. I wonder sometimes if we do that with God's word, with our Bible, we have these kind of runs, these ruts we get in, routes we take, and we get used to it. And this is so good. I mean, this stuff about Jesus is so good. I'm just going there. The, the New Testament, or this, my favorite book in the New Testament, I'm just, just going to keep lapping, doing laps, doing laps. This is so good. And it is so good. There's nothing wrong with it. But then something happens. And one day you're flipping it through your Bible, and you realize that in a Bible that doesn't have like study notes and stuff, you, you open up between the New Testament and the Old Testament, and you say, wait a second, the thick part's the part I don't read very often. <laughs> like, that's kind of weird. <laughs> that's, that's like, that's more than three quarters. And you start feeling guilty. I'm like, well, <clears throat> yeah, I read Genesis once, kind of. <laughs> and then, and then, you, th- then the, 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 the anxiety starts to, to come up inside you because it's, it's, it's those things about the Old Testament. Like, what are some things you think of when you think of the Old Testament? Throw them out there. I want to hear. Violence. What was the one? The flood. Yes, sorry. Hearing. I'm working on it. 
<laughs> Listen, Steffi told me I'm not doing a good job. What else? What else do you think of? You think of the Old Testament. Genealogies. <laughs> good one. Book of the Twelve. What was that? Laws. Yeah. Conquest. What's that? God's promise. Oh, hey, hey, where'd he go? Someone's singing positively about the Old Testament. You, went, <laughs> you get the sticker later. <laughs> maybe some other, I mean, those are all yes, and maybe, maybe kind of intimidating, right? Oh, a bit overwhelming. Uh, it, hard to, just confusing. Um, maybe think about a, a wrathful, distant God as opposed to the God we see in the, in the New Testament. Boring, those genealogies. Culturally distant and, and, and uh, kind of other. Like, what is this world they're talking about? All these things. And so we just say, oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, that, yeah someone else can do that. Uh, we'll leave that to, you know, someone who has to take an Old Testament class at Whitworth. And I'll just go ahead and stick in my, my run. I'm going to keep going my run. I like this Jesus thing. Philippians is so good. Joy. You know, like, let's do it. <laughs> but then... We're doing our New Testament thing. We're working hard at this Jesus thing. And we start seeing things like Jesus, when he's tempted, and Satan comes to him and tempts him with Scripture, what does he do? He quotes Deuteronomy at him. Jesus quotes Deuteronomy more than any other book, actually, we see probably on his lips. Okay. Well, but then, and, and then Jesus, at the end of his life, after, he, after he's died and risen, he comes to the disciples in Luke 24, and we see that he, see that he says about the, he talks about this Hebrew scripture, what we call the Old Testament. He says that these are the words I spoke to you while I was with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then after that, he opened their minds to understand the scripture. So Jesus not only knew it himself, he then said, he helped the disciples say, hey, all that three quarters is pointing towards me. And he helped them see how that was. And then those same disciples, and Paul included as one abnormally born, come along and they start telling people about Jesus. And they're not telling him out of a vacuum. These are faithful Jewish people who have spent their lives chewing on that. And then we see in Acts 24, we see Paul explaining this as he, as he talks about uh, what he's, what's, what's going on in his life. And he says, Let's see if we can get up there. Okay, Acts 24, verse 14. There we go. But this I admit to you, that according to the way which they called a sect, a sect, I worship the God of our ancestors, believing everything laid down according to the law or written in the prophets. See, Paul, a faithful Jewish man, knew the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, and he saw Jesus as coming in continuity with this bigger story. So you're reading the New Testament, and all of a sudden you see Paul seeing himself situated in a story that includes and is built upon this bigger story we see in the Old Testament. It's like coming into a movie. He has ever done that? Where you come into a movie, and you come in right at the climax. The climax is really good. I mean, that's exciting. But when you... And it actually is, you can actually have a really good movie-watching experience coming into the climax of an Avenger movie. I've, I've done it before. Or you come in and it's like, wow, there's a fight scene, there's Hulk going nuts, and it's amazing, bash, you know, and here it is. And, and it's great, and you see every, it all wins, but it's so much better when you see the whole story and how it all fits together. Well, so Paul and the apostles, as they're writing the New Testament, as they're preaching, they're preaching from the whole story. 
And then we see this in 2 Timothy 3. Not only is it pointing us to Jesus, but it's actually equipping us. See, all scripture we read is inspired by God and useful for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. Now think about this. We don't, it took me a while, maybe about, I'm a slow learner. It took me about 10 years to catch this. Okay, when we hear, read this in 2 Timothy, what is the scripture that they're talking about, that he's talking about? It's not the New Testament. It's the, it's the Old Testament. All scripture is God-breathed, inspired by God, and useful for teaching, correcting, rebuking, training, and righteousness. This is that three quarters. It's useful for helping us grow with God, live with God, live in life with others. It's useful, we hear, in the New Testament. So we can't, we have this problem as we go along that we can't ignore it. This Old Testament is there for us to know this bigger story. We're a part of the story of God's redemptive work. Sometimes we go from Genesis 1 and just skip right to Christmas, right? Yeah, that's good. I mean, I read my Old Testament. I read Genesis 1 through 3. They know the snake and all that stuff. I got that. And now it's just, oh, Christmas, it's here. Yes, unwrap some presents, baby Jesus. Let's go. But there's a bigger story. See, the God who created in Genesis 1 is the same God who has a redemptive plan, who works out through this people to, to call his people to himself and make himself known to the world and through them, although they fail, to try to let the light shine to the whole world then is culminated, is climax in Jesus and then one day will come to ful- fulfillment in the new creation. This big story that our dear Jerry Sitzer, our amazing Jerry Sitzer, helps us remember that Irenaeus was one of the first church fathers who got that big picture of scripture and saw old and new wrapping together this big narrative of, of salvation, history, and redemption that we get to be a part of as the people of God today. This is the big story that we're invited into that we miss out on when we only stick in that one run again and again and again. So this semester... As Steffi said, we're going to do that together. We're going to get out of the rut and into something a little different. So we're going to Deuteronomy. Why Deuteronomy? Well, students told me that it's a book that they're interested in, that's intimidating, and most of them have never really done and looked at it much. So let's look at it together. Let's check it out together. Let's find out. Let's wrestle with some of the messy things in Deuteronomy together and the the tough things. Let's find out about this book. This is the, the fifth book of the Bible, right? the book that's the, really the crown jewel of the Pentateuch, the first five books, the most holy books of the Jewish canon. These five books telling what it looks to be who God is and who we are as God's people. This is where it all comes together. We're going to look at that together this, this semester. We're going to look at Deuteronomy together. This, this Deuteronomy means literally the second law, retelling of the law that happens in Deuteronomy. And we're going to find out there's some good news there. We don't have time to look at much Deuteronomy this morning. Just, just one little tiny glimpse. But in Deuteronomy chapter 4, Deuteronomy is broken up by, it bro- broken up in, in uh, f- three kind of, three addresses on the lips of Moses. And these addresses bring the people of Israel ready to getting, re- getting ready to go into the promised land. This place where they'll be flourishing the way God wanted it to be. And so we see chapters one through three, it's kind of, it's, it's situating these people in the history, the story 
of God's redemption and bring them out of Exodus. Help, like we're trying to get situated in the story of God's big picture of redemption. And then we see in chapter 4, verse 1, So now Israel, actually, could we read this together? I love reading scripture together. Is that right? No pressure, but if you'd like to join me. Ready? Go. So now Israel, give heed to the statutes and ordinances that I am teaching you to observe, so that you may live to enter and occupy the land that the Lord, the God of your ancestors, is giving you. That's Deuteronomy 4, chapter 1, or chapter 4, verse 1. Here's this history. So now, so now, give heed to the statutes. So now, give heed to these things. You know that word, give heed? Another word to say it? Listen. Listen. The word we're going we're gonna, to, a word we're going to learn this year, and we're going to unpack a whole bunch more next week with Lauren, is the word Shema. Do you know what word is here? So now, Israel, Atah Yisrael, Shema. Listen. Garrett, if we could pull up the poster that Emily made and show us the poster, we'll see in Hebrew what this word Shema looks like. Listen. Shema. Everyone's going to learn a little Hebrew this semester. Give heed. Listen, Israel, now. In other words, here's the story. So now, pay attention. Listen. You have a place in the story. People of Whitworth, so now, listen. God's inviting you into his story of salvation, the story of redemption that's been going on from the beginning of the world and will go on until all things are made new. So now, listen, as we're invited in through the book of Deuteronomy. Shema. I'm going to give you my little one-sentence summary of Deuteronomy and the worship team can come on up. And my one sentence, like, here's how he can maybe summarize it. Of course, there's going to be so much more than this, but here's a little glimpse you think I have it on the screen here. Deuteronomy is an exposition of what it looks like to respond to God's love by living faithfully in love for God and love for neighbor as a set-apart people of God. Deuteronomy is a living explanation of what it looks like to respond to God's love, God's love that comes first by faithfully living in love for God and love for neighbor as the set-apart people of God. This is good news. This is good news. Deuteronomy invites us to a life that moves and lives and acts because God lives, loves us first. And because of God's love, it shows us what it looks like to love God, what it looks like to love others, especially those who are marginalized on the outside. And we do that not alone, but we do it together. The people of God, the set-apart people of God. So now, Whitworth, will we listen? This semester, will we listen? Will we have ears to hear to listen to this word from Deuteronomy to us to join in and respond to God's love and love for God and love for others in new ways as God invites us deeper and deeper into the story and into participating in his story of redemption that's happening. Maybe some of us open up the book of Deuteronomy for the first time or the Old Testament for the first time. If you want to track with us when we're preaching and read each week before, you can, you can read those. Uh, there'll be these in the door if you want to grab one. And read ahead with us. Either way, my prayer is that we would listen well and find the surprising good news of the book of Deuteronomy. Let's sing.
So go from here, believing the good news, the good news that God has never failed us, the good news that God has been faithful in the past, God has been faithful through Jesus, God is faithful in the present, God will be faithful forever. Go knowing the good news of Deuteronomy that brings us this invitation to live in the light of God's goodness and love and love for him and love for others. Go in the good news that we, his people, are sent out by the power of the Holy Spirit this day and each day now ahead. Go in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.